Welcome back to Bible time. We're in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 25, and it says in this text, Brethren, pray for us. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'd touch this message, and Lord God, that you'd burden our hearts to pray, and that you would burden the listeners' hearts to pray, Lord God, and that you would do a great work in this dark day. Lord, bless this message. Father, give me anointing, and help me, Lord God, to preach what you'd have me to preach. Help me, Lord God, to say what you'd have me to say. Give me the ability, Lord, to communicate the truth today that only you can give, Father, and please take it and communicate it with power. Lord, wherever this is heard, wherever it's listened to around the world, I pray that you would do a work in Jesus' name. Amen. This will be a little bit different message today than many of our other messages. We have um, just had 150 podcasts um, put up online. This is our 151st, and here it is, Brethren, pray for us. And today, I'm going to share with you some scriptures, but I'm also going to share with you an, an appeal for prayer, an appeal for prayer for the United States of America, an appeal for prayer for the true church of Jesus Christ, the remnant that like, still exists in the United States of America, an appeal for for prayer for revival and a personal appeal for prayer for this preacher and for the little ministry that God has given this little preacher and that God would use that ministry and that God would bless us with fruit and that God would make us a light in this dark day. Now here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 25, the Apostle Paul is concluding and wrapping up his letter to the church of Thessalonica. And this church was a church that we've observed was born in trouble. A church that only had the Apostle Paul for just a short little while before he was run off. And then they were left on their own. They did not have the completed word of God. They did not have a Bible preacher. They did not have Bible schools or podcasts or any online ministries. They did not have study books. All they had was the little bit of the gospel that the Apostle Paul had been able to preach to them. And then Paul was run off. And these Jews from Thessalonica persecuted Paul even unto strange cities, chasing him across the coasts of Macedonia, all the way out of their coast, down into southern Greece, where he ended up in Athens, and finally sent back that man, Timothy, that young man, Timothy. And following that, this little bitty church in Thessalonica had gotten some discipleship through the ministry of a preacher boy named Timothy, a preacher boy that most people would probably turn their nose up and look the other way whenever he walked through. And that might be just exactly why he did make it through. And that might be the reason they even got any help because everybody looked past that young man, Timothy, and they didn't see in him a giant of the faith. They did not see in Timothy, a man of God, a preacher of righteousness. And he managed to slip by their lines and slip through the enemy lines and get back to to the church at Thessalonica and preach and labor at that church and build it up in its faith following Timothy's daring mission trip back into hostile enemy territory, he recrossed the 200 to 300 miles of land that separated the town of Thessalonica from the town of Athens, Greece, and he rejoined Paul, and there Paul was able to go on and write this letter back to them rejoicing at the, at the fact that he found out from Timothy that the church at Thessalonica was still there and still kicking. Now, I believe in as much follow-up 
up as you can do, but there's something to be said for the work of the Holy Ghost that goes beyond follow-up. And if you and if you can't live without follow-up, if you get saved and you're going to fall away, if you don't have a preacher patting the back of your hand and rubbing your shoulders every Sunday, you're not you haven't got something. You miss something. Somebody that's born again by the power of God knows God and has the Holy Spirit of God living in them and teaching them. When you're born again, you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God. And if you aren't indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God, you are not born again and you are not saved. So you must be born again, Jesus said, which is only possible through believing on the finished work of Jesus Christ that he died, he was buried, and he rose again the third day. And he said, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We just saw a man today down at the nursing home call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, asking God to wash him in the blood of Jesus and make him a new creature. And we rejoiced with that man as he found peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is biblical salvation. This church in Thessalonica had experienced biblical salvation and they had a reality and a vitality to their faith that survived the trouble. It survived the persecution and they were persevering in the face of much difficulty. Here the Apostle Paul sends them this letter back, the first epistle to the church at Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians in your Bible, and here to this little church, this baby church, but to this church that was in samples to all them that are in Macedonia and Achaia, Paul says, brethren, pray for us. Throughout this whole epistle, we have noticed that the Apostle Paul did not address the church at Thessalonica as if they were his underlings, as if he was some kind of superior that had some kind of edge on God and corner on the market. From the very start of the book of Thessalonians, where he says, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus under the church of the Thessalonians, right up here into in the one of the last closing verses of the text, Paul has treated this church as equals. Though Paul had a jurisdiction of the twelfth apostle of the Lamb and the one that God had sent as the apostle to the Gentiles, and though he had authority as one of the twelve apostles of the Lamb to not only give the revealed word of God, the revelate one of the revelators of the New Testament to give us the the finished word of God that he was preaching there to these people though he had that authority yet he treated these brethren as brethren and as equals Jesus said call no man father on your on earth there is one father even your father in heaven and that's a rough paraphrase because I didn't quote it right and then he said there call no man master on earth he says you have one master all ye are brethren all ye are brethren. And here the Apostle Paul addressed this church, even though it was a baby church, as brethren. What made them brethren? What made them brethren was their belief in the risen, resurrected Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you'll notice here that we do not find Paul asking St. Michael or St. Benedictine or St. Josephus or, and I'm making some of those up, some of you know that. But he didn't ask the saints to pray for him. He asked the brethren to pray for him. He didn't ask the Pope to pray for him. He asked the brethren to pray for him. He didn't ask Mary to pray for him. He asked the brethren 
brethren to pray for him. Nobody dead can help you at all. A Christian, even when he dies, he goes immediately to be with God, but he has no ability to be communicated with by your prayers. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Only Jesus Christ can go to God on your behalf. So Paul here says, brethren, pray for us. Who were they praying to? Not to the saints, but to Jesus Christ, to the Father in Jesus' name. And Jesus Christ was taking the prayers of the saints before the throne of God. The prayers of the saints are featured in the book of Revelation as incense going up before the throne of God. And at that point, all of heaven is silent as that incense ascends up before God. God hears the prayers of the saints. Now that isn't St. Benedictine. That saint little widow woman down at the church house that believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. That saint little six-year-old boy that came under conviction of his sin and turned from his sin to a savior and was born again by the power of God and he's now praying for his pastor. God hears his prayer. He's praying for the missionary. God hears his prayer. God hears your prayers. God answers your prayers. If you are born again by the power of God, your prayers are heard by God and you have as much access to God as a believer as the greatest saint that ever lived. Here the apostle Paul, one of the 12 apostles of the Lamb who saw Jesus Christ on the road to the Damascus and was commissioned and handpicked by Christ to be an apostle to the Gentiles, who was one of the most powerful, wonder-working, miracle-doing of the of all twelve of the holy apostles. And yet here that holy apostle says to this little fledgling church, brethren, pray for us. The Apostle Paul needed the prayers of the church people. Boy, it would do a lot out there if a lot of people would get this figured out. You don't need the church leaders to pray for you. The church leaders need you to pray for them. Out here, we've got these um, Catholic churches where they try and get the people to come in and get the prayers said for them and to get somebody to say prayers for them. It's just Buddhism reworked where they've got all their prayers for all the dead and their prayer wheels and everything that they're doing. I'm telling you today, if you're born again by the power of God, you have access to God through Jesus Christ, his son. The Bible says, let us come boldly through the veil that is his flesh that we may obtain grace to help in the time of need. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God for, um, oh man, I messed it up. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith is the requirement to come to God. If you have faith, you can please God. And faith is trusting the veracity of God's word, taking God at his word, believing what the Bible says is faith. Anything else is not biblical faith. You believe your grandma, you believe the Pope, you believe Confucius, it ain't biblical faith. It's getting you nowhere with God. But whenever you say God said it because it's right here in the Bible and I believe it, now you've tapped into biblical faith and now you can please God. And if you have faith in your heart and you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then you will not only be saved, but you will have access to the Father through Jesus Christ and you can pray. And today I'm asking you as the Apostle Paul asked all those years ago, brethren, pray for us. Some of you that may listen to this may be better than 
than me. Some of you might possibly be worse than me. That's hard to imagine if you're saved. Paul said he was the chiefest of sinners, but he's dead. He moved on, and often I feel that I've taken his office of chiefest of sinners. I sure didn't get his 12th apostleship. That doesn't pass on by succession to anybody, by the way. Only Christ can ordain one of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. There are only 12, and that's done. But that chiefest of sinners spot, I may qualify for that. But whoever you are out there, whether you're better than me, whether you're worse than me, if you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, if he's your Lord and Savior, if you if you are born again by the power of God, then this little preacher is going to ask you with as much humility as he can get in his heart, which ain't much, he's going to say, brethren, pray for me. Brethren, pray for us. Brethren, pray for this little ministry. Pray for this little work that's going on. We will not continue without God's power and without God's help. We need your prayers. Oh, that God would raise up prayer warriors in Jesus' name. I'm asking today that those of you online that are listening online would pray for this ministry, that those of you that are here and listening today would put it in your heart to pray for this preacher and this ministry. This little ministry is a ministry that I believe that God has started. What we do here is this little podcast, and then we go out and we try and preach the gospel to people, whether at nursing homes or on the street corners or in churches or in revival meetings or in tent meetings. That's our goal, and we need the power of God. Right now, we're preparing for evangelistic crusades in some American cities and to call the nation back to God and call churches to repent and to return to the old paths, and I'm asking you to pray. You say, this isn't much of a message. No, it's a, it's a beseeching, pleading request for prayer. It's an appeal for prayer from a very needy Christian to other people out there that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, whoever you are. And I'm saying, please, brethren, pray for us. Would you consider making it a daily discipline to remember this little work and this little preacher in prayer before the throne of God? We also have a preacher. This, this is Joshua Burks. We have another preacher, Michael Kime, who was preaching today and who was um, the one that was primarily used by God in bringing that man to Christ at the nursing home. He needs prayer. We need prayer today. There's information about the ministry up there online. We're not asking for money. We're not raising funds. What I am asking for is prayer and I'm asking for it unashamedly. I'm asking for it desperately. We need prayer. We need the power of God on our ministry so that we can do something useful for God in these dark days because we have no power in and of ourselves. Now, Paul had that little fledgling church of Thessalonica pray as equals for him. And some of you out there think that this preacher doesn't know nothing. He's no good. Well, then pray for me. But the ones that are really probably going to get through to God are the ones that don't think that they're anything and that they're worse than everybody else. And they're going to be able to pray, God, use that man. Maybe somebody out there has gotten some help from God through some of these messages. I just ask you to go to God and ask God to help the preacher and help the ministry to carry on in the power of God or for God to kill the ministry. And that would also be a very good prayer to pray. Pray God, either carry that ministry forward in power or kill that ministry and shut it down because we do not want to operate in the power of the flesh. We have got to have the power of the Holy Spirit of God. We have got to have his anointing. We have got to have him going with us and convincing men of their sin, of their righteousness and of their judgment. We are not the Holy Ghost, but we desperately need the Holy Ghost with us. Pray for us, brethren. 
Pray for us, brethren. If you would like, if you're out there online and you would like to be on an email prayer list, shoot me an email and ask to get on the prayer list. We will also put up some updates. We put up a Facebook page as much as I dislike that platform and everything that the owners of it stand for. We put up a Facebook page to put up some notices about events that we have so that the public can be notified. You can also follow some of that stuff on there and please pray for these events. Pray for the people that are being reached with the gospel. Now this appeal I'm asking all around the world, anyone that hears this message, all the way across America from north to south and around the whole globe, if you hear this message, I'm asking you brethren, pray for us. Now even more than this little ministry, I want you to pray for the little church that we come out of. And I ask you to pray for that church, Liberty Faith Church in Norwood, Missouri. Pray for our pastor Reg Kelly. I'm asking you pray for this church. God works through his church. You say, what kind of a church are you? Go to libertyfaith.net and check it out. It's just a Bible-believing church. You can see what we preach. You can see what my pastor preaches, and my pastor ain't me, and I'm not my pastor. We may be a little different in some things, but we're both serving God and trying to follow Jesus, and we're both doing our fair share of muddling it up. If you ask him, he'd tell you that too. So please pray for us. Now beyond this little preacher and this little ministry and beyond the little church he's out of, and his and his little pastor that pastors him and his family, I ask you to pray for this nation of America. And this is where I really want to really ask for prayer, even more than what I've asked for before. As much as I need prayer, this nation needs prayer desperately. In the 1940s, which would be 80 years ago, a man from India who had been mightily used by God. You can read his testimony and some things about him. You can look him up online. Bakht Singh. Bakht Singh. B-A-K-T-S-I-N-G-H. He came to uh, the United States of America, invited over by the Billy Graham Crusades. And they took him all around the nation. And he was in many different types of churches and in many big cities around the nation. And at the close of his tour, they asked him what percentage of the United States States of America, of the Christians, of the people in the church houses, do you believe are saved? And Bach Singh, if I remember right, if I, and I may have gotten this mixed up, but if I remember right, Bach Singh's reply shocked the men that asked him. He said, if 1% of your church members are saved, I would be shocked. My wife here thinks that she remembers it was two. Both of those are bad numbers. That is not the way it should be. And when they asked him why, he gave his answer. You can look it up, dig it up, find it, read it for yourself. But his basic answer was, your people don't pray. Your people have no appetite for spiritual things. Your people don't want to sit through a sermon that's longer than 30 minutes. Your people have no desire to obey God. And the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. And he goes on with those kinds of verses. If you love him, the Bible says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. And Bok Singh walked around and was driven around and was flown around and shown churches full of people who had no desire to obey God. And this was in the 1940s and it was in the midst of the Billy Graham Crusades. Maybe it was after the 1940s. I'm not exactly sure. It was give or take somewhere in there. I'm not exactly sure the date. In the, but this is in the heyday of American Christianity. This is in a 
day before abortion was legal in the United States of America. This is back in a day when women were expected to wear clothing outside. This is back in a day when men were expected to treat women like women and to cover their bodies and to not flirt with women, but to give them some space to be women and protect them from evil. This was back in a day when a man who got drunk all the time was called a drunk and not called an alcoholic and considered a normal part of society. This was back in a day whenever most churches still had a real Bible that didn't blaspheme Christ. Did you know that today, listen to me today, some of you listening are from all around the world and I thank you for tuning in. I'm asking for prayer for my country today. I'm asking for prayer for the United States of America today. Did you know that today in the United States of America, one of the most popular versions so-called of the Bible that is used in the United States of America, the new international virgin, version, nothing virgin about it, it's a harlot Bible, and that new international version says in it that Jesus Christ in Philippians chapter 2 thought not to be equal with God. It blatantly says that Jesus did not think he was equal with God. It denies the deity of Christ and blasphemes Jesus Christ. That same Bible says in the Old Testament it gives Lucifer the name of bright and morning star which Jesus Christ claimed for himself in the book of Revelation and that is only the tip of the iceberg, and it is not alone. Of the over 270 commonly known Bible versions in America, only one of those versions has stayed accurate to the original text and to the manuscripts passed down throughout the generations by the early church. Only one Bible version. I just read on that old internet. For all of its horrible things that it does, there are some good uses for it, but be careful. It's as dangerous as a cocked cannon. That means it's as dangerous as a loaded gun that might about go off in your hand. 31% of Americans that read the Bible claim to read the King James Version. It used to be 100%. And that doesn't mean that they read it exclusively. They read it with other things. And then I noticed some other things that they showed here. 69% of poor Americans, you say, what's a poor American? Somewhere out there in the world, you say, there's no such thing as a poor American. Well, let me help you with that too. You see, Americans are not poor. They're not living in cardboard houses. I agree with you. Americans are not poor. The poorest Americans are wealthier than a lot of people in the world. But the way America has structured itself, America makes it nearly illegal to be poor unless you are, are on all kinds of government programs that restrict everything about your life and make you a slave to the state. If you do not make a certain amount of money and maintain a certain kind of living in America, you come under suspect, you get it, you could get investigated unless you get on the government programs and march lockstep with their humanistic society and everything that they have for you. And if you do that, they will begin doing all kinds of wicked things, indoctrinating your children, killing your babies. I'll show you that in just a little while. You see, America, the land of plenty, America considered the land of Canaan 
opinion by most people out there in the world is not all it's cracked up to be. Everybody says America is the land of opportunity and there's no place like it on earth. And that is still true to a degree, but there are poor people in America. You see, in America, you can be filthy rich and dirt poor at the same time. You can be filthy rich compared to the rest of the world and dirt poor because this society requires such an amount of money to live and to function and to be accepted that many people live in the fringes of society in filth and squalor and all kinds of disease pushed to the fringes of the society and covered over by fancy billboards and you don't see them, but they're there. They are there just as sure as I'm standing here to tell you about them. I've knocked on their doors. I've walked through the piles of trash into their rat-infested, cockroach-infested shacks out in the middle of nowhere, pushed out into the fringes of society to try and tell them about Jesus. They are there. 69% of the poor, considered poor people in America that read the Bible read the King James Version. 44% of those that read the Bible and make a good living in America read everything out there. Or read read the Bible, 66% read everything out there. So the poor hold on to that King James Bible, huh? Now some people would say, well that proves it's no good. I, I say exactly the opposite. 72% of of people that read the Bible that never finished high school read the King James Bible. 33% of people that graduate from college read the King James Bible. America is not all that it's cracked up to be. We have fake Bibles coming out our nose in this land. We have Bibles that blaspheme Christ. We have Bibles that assign names of Christ to Satan himself. We have Bibles that remove the blood of Jesus Christ from the text from people. We have Bibles that cut out whole sections of scripture and leave gaps in the Bible. We have Bibles that have been edited by men to teach doctrines of devils. Our churches are full of these Bibles and our churches are on a decline in this nation with the with the with the getting rid of the bible in the united states of america we have embraced this higher education and with this higher education we have brought in the cursed theory of evolution that is taught as law and taught as fact in american universities and i can cite many sources including personal experience having sat under a professor who stood up in front of nearly 300 students and stomped across the stage saying everything you learned in your your church is a lie. Everything your mom and dad told you is a lie. The Bible is a lie and evolution is a fact. It's law. It's indisputable. I sat there and to my shame, I stayed there and finished that course, but I didn't finish my degree. I've praised God. I busted out of that place and said, I'd be better off without their degree and praise God. I was, and I am praise God. The Bible says, go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. That means get out. And if it costs you a degree, go with God anyway. So this, the churches of America, many of them have embraced evolution, but by and large, the American population believes that they came from monkeys. They believe that their great grandparents were amoebas, a bunch of snocks crawling around on the rocks while the acid rain fell on it. And they don't know where the rocks came from or the rain or any of the stuff to make the amoeba. So they all go back to the big bang. And they think that a long time ago, nothing got squished into something and went 
boom and turned into everything. And it's the biggest bunch of nonsense. It is the biggest bunch of garbage that you've ever heard. And it's completely covered the nation. It is a lie out of hell. The Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But because America has thrown out the Bible and America has thrown God out of the public education system that has stolen our children, it used to be the parents... It used to be the parents that raised their children in this nation. The mother would raise the children and teach the children at home while the daddy provided. And he'd come home and discipline and teach and train and reinforce what had been taught. And then they would go to school. And there at the church house, they would bring up schools. And the churches usually took care of the schools. And the community would have its own school. That's the way this country started. And now instead, the government does and teaches them that they came from monkeys. And because of that, our people have been acting like monkeys. No fear of God, and everyone is right in their own eyes. Follow your heart is a major saying in America today, whereas the Bible says he that, fall, he that trusted his own heart is a fool, is a fool. And that describes the average American in this day because he's following his heart and God said he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. The CDC, the American Center for Disease Control, states that 5.1 out of 1,000 people are married in this country. 5.1 out of 1,000 people with a birth rate, by the, round, by the way, under three people per um, couple, if I, remember, if I remember right. That's a, a stat I haven't looked up lately. 2.3 of the 5.1 divorce. We are under three people married out of every 1,000 in America. But sex is at an all-time high as it's everywhere and everybody is shacking up from the oldest grandparents to the pastor to the pastor's ex-wife who's now pastoring some kind of church down the road. There is unlimited fornication across this country. Fatherless children are an epidemic. 23% of children in America live with one parent and no other adults. Many of the ones that are left live with one parent and their shack up that they aren't even married to. The United States of America is three times the world average in single parent homes. Three times the world average, a once Christian nation so-called. The United States of America is the world's leader in fatherlessness with 18.5 million children who do not have a father. 18.5 million children who do not have a father. In America, with the passing of Roe versus Wade, we brought in a holocaust against our own children. Fatherless children, the answer to the problem we decided was to murder the babies. So in America, little unborn babies became the most endangered species. With 63 million, nearly 500,000 babies murdered in America in their own mother's wombs to answer the problem of fatherlessness. One in six American women, according to some statistics, 
statistics have been raped or attempted to be raped. One in 33 boys or men in America have been raped or be attempted to be raped. The shack up situation means that many parents are single parents and those little fatherless children are now living with a shack up boyfriend or girlfriend and these children are the highest in risk of being sexually abused and raped. This is going on all across the nation. We mentioned racism a little while ago. And here in America, we have this thing that's swept the nation in the last couple um, years, this movement called BLM, Black Lives Matter. I want you to know today, unequivocally, that black lives do matter. And the people that all shout Black Lives Matter are all for Planned Parenthood, by and large, almost every one of them. They're all for abortion through the abortion industry, the abortion machine in America, puts to death, murders, dismembers, butchers 900 black babies a day. 900 African American babies are put to death every day in America. Black Lives Matter, if you really care about your black people, get away from Planned Parenthood, teach them the Bible, and show them there's a better way than immorality and sin. Contraceptives are given out freely. It doesn't fix the problem. It just spreads the diseases. And by the way, just so you know, it's a verifiable fact. You can go back and check the history of Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood has as one of its greatest, most honored founders, a woman named Margaret Sanger. And Margaret Sanger was an exile from the United States of America over a hundred years ago. Her, her writings, her newsletter that she put out was considered pornographic, even though she had no pictures and no illustrations. The things that she were, was writing were so vile that the law was actually after her and she had to flee. She fled to England where she continued writing her filthy trash and sending it to America as best she could. One of Margaret Sanger's great ideals was the genocidal elimination of the African American so-called race. Again, we are all one race. If you are a human being, you are a human being. He hath made of one blood all nations. But Margaret Sanger didn't see that way. She thought we all came from apes and she thought the black people were the biggest apes around and that white people had advanced past black people and that Asians were just another step below white people and it was Margaret Sanger's professed purpose in life to eradicate black people and Asians and she proposed abortion and launched helped launch Planned Parenthood for the purpose of eradicating minorities in this nation and by the way that's what your liberals won't tell you It's the biggest bunch of hypocrisy in the world. And now they bring up this big thing and they want to shout, Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Well, they take the government money. Remember I told you about the poor people in America? How they have to lockstep with the government and stick in their programs and give their children to the devil to be raised in the devil's schools. This is what I was talking about. And then they go up and they get on the government health care system and they go up and get the government doctors that tell them to murder their own babies. And that's what's happening in this nation to our poor people oh they don't look so poor to the rest of the world but they've had their morality bought they've had their souls bought and they've had their posterity bought and murdered before their eyes in the name of welfare 
So, brethren, pray for us. Pray for us in America. Pray for our black people. Pray for our Asian people. Pray for our minorities. Pray for our Hispanics. Pray for our white people. All lives matter in the sight of God. Jesus Christ is the Savior of all men, especially of them that believe this gospel that Jesus Christ gave was commanded to be preached to all men in all nations. We need revival in this nation. America loves to drink, says an article on a wine website, wine and cheese website. America loves to drink, and they cite the National Institution of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism and says that in April of 2020, alcohol consumption was reported that it reached 7.8 billion gallons of alcohol in the United States in the year 2018. In one year, 7.8 billion gallons of alcohol, and they're not talking about alcohol plus the yummies that they stick in to help you get it down they're talking about the alcohol and i'll show that to you by the end of this it says u.s residents reportedly drank 6.3 billion gallons of beer 900 million gallons of wine and 570 million gallons of spirits the bible says the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty by the way wine is a mocker strong drink is raging and he that is deceived thereby is not wise look not on the wine when it is red when it giveth its color in the cup when it's moveth itself aright at the last it biteth like an adder the bible says as a country we drink on average the article continued those bible verses were not in the article just so you know as a country we drink an average of 2.35 gallons of alcohol per person per year that includes every man woman and child alive in america the oldest grandpa on oxygen that can't even get liquor to the youngest baby in its mother's arms. And this it says, and this is where it shows you that it's not talking about gallons of beer. It's talking about alcohol. It says, which amounts to about 501 standard drinks a year per person. Counting men, women, and children in America, almost two drinks per person per, per day per year. Almost two alcoholic beverages a day for every person alive in America. And I don't drink that trash. Praise God by His grace. So somebody's picking up mine. And somebody's picking up them from my house. And I've got some good friends in the Lord who won't touch that filthy stuff. And so somebody's picking up theirs too. Almost two alcoholic drinks a day in America. No wonder they call it alcoholism because the whole country is drunk. I recently saw an article that said that Native American Indians do not have a drinking problem. Well, it's the oldest known fact in, the, in modern history in the last 300 years that Native Americans can't handle liquor. And it's a shame anybody can. You should all stay away from that trash. Even you Germans out there. I love you in the world, in the Lord. Pour that stuff down the drain. I don't care what your culture says god says if you're deceived by it you're not wise god made that stuff for medicine give strong drink to him that is ready to perish the bible says it is not for kings O lemuel it is not for kings to drink strong drink 
It's not for priests either. If you go back to Numbers, I believe chapter 9, if I got that wrong, look it up and find it. Nadab and Abihu. And Christians are called kings and priests. But today in America, we have so-called preachers, so-called pastors walking around the stage of the auditorium of the so-called house of God behind a pulpit that's supposed to be a pulpit of God, behind a book that's supposedly a book of God, and they will get a can of beer and stand in front of their people and slam it in front of their whole church in this nation right now in major churches happening will they play rock and roll devil induced music by god haters in their church houses acdc highway to hell played on easter morning sunday by a major church in north carolina and why did the pastor say he did it that same beer drinking pastor he said he did it just to piss off excuse the language the Bible-thumping crowd. Well, I'm sorry, sir, you didn't make this man mad nearly as much as you made God mad. God is angry with the wicked every day. You say, why are you saying all this? Why are you telling all this? Because I'm asking you to pray. Because I'm asking you to pray, because we've got to have prayer. And I'm asking you here to pray. As we try and go out and win the lost in an ungodly generation, in a drunken generation, in a fatherless generation, in a Bible-less generation that has turned their backs on God, I'm asking you to pray. This is what I'm asking you to pray for. I'm asking you to pray that Satan will be bound and that the lost will be loose. Jesus said that no man can spoil the strong man's goods except he first bind the strong man. You can get the book by Watchman Nee, a Chinese Christian who wrote, I don't know his Chinese name. That's what we call him here in America. But you can get the book Watch, by Watchman Nee, the prayer ministry of the church. Read it and please enter into that ministry if you are a Bible-believing Christian. We have, pray, please pray that the gospel will have free course through us. Please pray that we will have utterance to preach the word of God, liberty to open our mouths with boldness and proclaim the truth. Please pray that God will open doors and remove satanic hindrances to make a way for us to get the gospel across this land any way that we possibly can and that he will expand the impact of this ministry and its ability and its effect to get the gospel to the ears and the hearts of people. Pray that the Holy Spirit will attend to the preaching of the gospel. Pray that the Holy Spirit will convict people's hearts of sin. Pray for pray that God will send out laborers into his harvest, these laborers and other laborers. Pray for this little ministry. We call it STEM. You can look it up there on Sermon Audio and link, up, link off to other, um, other websites there from there. STEM, S-T-E-M, please pray for us. Pray for other laborers. Find laborers, Bible-believing laborers that you can labor with and labor with them and pray for them. I'm asking for the church, the remnant of Jesus Christ in America to pray. I'm asking for the true church of Jesus Christ in China, in Korea, and all around the world, in Australia, in England, anywhere that you're at. If you hear this message, I'm asking you, pray! Pray for America. Pray for the United States of America. Pray that God will send the Holy Ghost in power and convict of sin and righteousness and judgment. In the United States of America, the normal Christian, a normal Christian, loves to drink. They think like, they dream like, they talk like the world. They love the world's music. 
They love the world's entertainment. They love to watch people shack up and smooch around that aren't married. They love to watch immorality. They love to watch nakedness and they love to be naked. They love to commit fornication and they go to church on Sunday and act like everything's okay between them and God on the various levels. Some of them do it and then they go to churches and dance around half naked rubbing their hips together and I'm sorry that it's so offensive. It's the truth and it's reality and I'm actually holding back quite a lot to try and keep this discreet enough to make it even broadcastable. The filth and the wickedness going on. Other churches, they love their high church and their liturgy. And they go to church on Sunday with the man that they shacked up with all week. And they sit there and take so-called communion and repeat after a priest or after a preacher. And they do all their little motions and they go right back to their sin. In, a, in the United States of America, pornographic material is websites are visited more on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, the normal meeting times for churches in America than any other time of the week. Over 70% of women in America across the board have confessed to regularly viewing pornographic material and over 80% of men regularly view pornographic material. The idols of our imagery And this is also normal in the normal American Christianity. If you ask your average American Christian if they know Jesus, they say, I love Jesus. And then they turn around to walk away and you can see the sin on their shirts, the sin on their stuff, the sin everywhere that they're going. You'll meet people in America if you ever visit here and you'll meet people that say, I love Jesus. Well, they have pornography openly visible that they are defiling their neighbors with. It is common in America for normal Christians. It is normal for Christians in America to claim to love God. Will they watch all the Disney witchcraft and filth that comes out of that pedophile cesspool named Disneyland and all of the Disney shows? They watch everything that comes out of the sodomite hellhole of Hollywood where people are literally eating their own children. Cannibalism is happening in America, according to reports that I have heard. You say, that ain't true. You can't verify it. We'll get to more about that later. God said a nation would do this that forgets God and leaves God, and this nation has forgotten God and left God. Normal Christians in America think that sodomites are okay and that God is okay with them. Well, God says that they are an abomination and they're going to hell. They also think it's okay to divorce and fornicate and remarry and every other kind of sin, so why wouldn't they think that it's okay? Normal Christians in America champion the cause of gay rights, transgenders, normal Christians in America that call themselves Christians are racists and they think that the color of skin determines the value of a person. Some of them are racist against black people. Some of them are racist against white people, but they're all racist. One or the other God says he's made of one blood, all the nations. And all these people that are basing the value of people off the color of their skin are racist. I don't care what color you pick. You are a racist when you base the value of a person off the color of their skin. So superficial one blood. I've got the same blood of a, uh, that the Koreans have, that the Africans have, that the Scandinavians have. We're made of one blood. We all come from Adam. And then through Adam, we came through Noah. And we're all brothers and sisters in the flesh. If you go back far enough and we all have the same blood from the same parents. 
Racism is normal. Infidelity to God and his word is normal. Normal Christians do not believe the Bible. Normal Christians do not believe that there even is a literal, perfect word of God available today. That is normal Christianity in America. You think I'm crazy. Go look at Christianity today. today. Look it up. They quote all kinds of blaspheming Bibles. Every major denomination in America has left God and left the Bible and doesn't even believe the Bible. Most of them in their seminaries don't even believe that Jesus Christ was literally God or that he literally rose from the dead. You go look it up. You see if I'm lying. That's the normal Christians, conservative American Christians who stand for conservative American family values and what such cuss and drink like sailors. Oh, they don't might not do it around the kids. They just use their euphemisms in front of the kids, but they cuss and drink like sailors and they peek at pornography and nakedness all the time. They just try and keep it out of sight of the little ones. They preview the filthy movies because their kids aren't old enough to watch the pornographic trash that they're bringing into their homes, but they are and they do. And they bring in the world's R-rated and PG-13 and PG, listen, PG movies. G movies are filthy in America. The ones that they call general audiences. Did you know that in some Islamic nations, American cinematography is illegal? Because it is so filthy and degrading and naked that the Muslims say, do not let that in our country. Conservative Americans cuss, drink, peek at nakedness, dress naked, act naked. They don't read their Bibles except to prove their point of view or to bash the liberals. They waffle on the Bible. They don't really believe it, but they'll use it for their own purposes. And they think they're really pretty good people. And they strut around in their self-righteousness. Normal conservative Americans. Conservative Christian Americans. I love these people. I minister to them. Don't tell me I don't love them. I tell them they're on their way to hell and they need a savior. And I plead with them to come to Christ. I do love them. I'm only telling you this so that you can pray. Fundamentalist, Bible-believing, evangelical churches in America have a lot of good doctrine. They're not normal. They're few and far between. But normal fundamentalist churches that have good doctrine across America, by and large, listen to me carefully today, please don't tune me out, by and large, normal fundamentalist churches have sent the Holy Ghost packing and banished the power of God from their churches in an extreme reaction to the excesses and wickedness of the fake Pentecostal crowd that runs around doing false signs and lying wonders and extorting money from the poor and in a reaction that is worse than the sin that they are reacting to they have banished the power of God from their churches and they teach across large portion of fundamentalist churches teach that when you're saved you get what you got and you got what you got and you got to get there on what you get and if you start talking about being filled with the spirit they about have a conniption that's an Ozarkian term for blowing out and freaking out okay They about just fall apart if you talk about being filled with the Holy Ghost or walking in the Spirit. And they just, and they look at you with these big bug eyes like you're some kind of alien from another planet. They don't know the Holy Ghost because he hasn't been in their churches in decades. The preachers that used to preach the old fundamentalist churches did, but these modern ones don't. 
They still have the Bible and the dress codes sometimes, though those are sliding, but they don't believe the Bible. And they hold up their dress codes and their doctrinal theology as if that's proof that they're still walking in the old paths, but they've left the Holy Spirit of God behind. And there is no power of God in the pulpits of fundamental Christianity by and large today. We substitute all kinds of man's ways. No longer is the convicting power of the Holy Spirit required to save a sinner. Instead, they just need to be wooed to church with a hot dog and then slapped on the back and sit in front of a preacher for five minutes that tells them, if you don't want to go to hell, pray this little prayer, repeat after me, and you'll be saved. And they go through the motions, and then they leave lost with their belly full of hot dogs and their hearts full of lies. And you can't find them most of the time next week at all. And they say, well, we don't keep the Lamb's book of life. It's not our business to worry about who's saved and who's lost. Then why are you telling them they're saved, mister? You don't keep the Lamb's book of life. If you don't really know if they're saved or not, why in God's name are you telling them they're saved? Why are you telling them you prayed that prayer? That means you're saved. Don't you ever let anybody tell you you're not saved. Now you're saved and eternally secure. You've got the Holy Ghost and anything else you'll ever need. And you slap them on the back and send them back to their hell holes, living like the devil. And now they're sevenfold the child of hell that they were before because they've got a religious rubber stamp that tells them they're okay with God and they've never repented. They've never been born again. They don't have the Holy Spirit and they know nothing of true salvation. But you get a Bible-believing Christian to try and talk to them and they'll put their hand in his face and tell him the Baptist preacher told me I'm saved and eternally secure. And it's an offense to Almighty God. I love the fundamentalist churches. But we've got to repent and get back to God and his ways and get his power back in our churches. Doctrine without power kills. That's what the Bible says. The letter killeth. But the spirit giveth life. Spirit without doctrine kills. But doctrine without spirit kills. And in our fervor against doctrineless spirit, we have excluded the spirit from our doctrine. And we've done worse than those that we've attacked. The few Bible-believing followers of Christ across this land are under constant satanic persecution, temptation, and vexation and are limping along, by and large, struggling to even keep their heads above water and very rarely walking in the Spirit. Ask me how I know because I count myself among them. God saved me and God changed me into the best of my ability. I'm going to follow God. And I know I need to be filled with the Spirit, and I know I need the power of the Spirit on me, but there's so often that the vexation and the temptation and the persecution that comes after one that truly tries to follow Jesus gets the better of me, and I get to where I'm walking after the flesh. And that's why I'm saying, brethren, pray for us. Pray for us. Most of us here in America that are trying to follow Jesus don't walk in the Spirit every day. Now, and then we've got a few other groups that bear mentioning. We've got all our fringe separatist legalist groups that believe in salvation by either working your way to heaven or believing in God and then working your way to heaven. And they usually just sit on the fringes arguing and heckling and they show up at the events to try and convince you that you're wrong and that you're preaching a false gospel because you don't wear their kind of hat on your head. And they generally cause trouble and exclude people. And that's the rest of the Christians. So now you have a really good idea. If you've never gotten to visit America, now you got to visit America. 
Now you got to visit America and see the condition that we are in today. By the way, how does this affect the missions situation? Well, there are some good missionaries that really love God. And I'm so grateful for them. I do everything I can to help them, and I'm for them, trying to carry the gospel to the lost. But as there are so few churches that have the power of God, so there are so few churches, even amongst good, straight, Bible-believing Christians, that have the. there's so few missionaries that have the power of God on them that they're wrestling along in their own power as well, by and large, across the board, struggling, trying to prop up lost people that prayed their prayer, and prove that they're really saved when they're not because they never had a true, genuine conversion through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. They're struggling along too. But by the way, that whole group of doctrinally straight people is pretty small in America. So what does that mean about missionaries? Most missionaries coming out of this nation today mimic their churches, just like the rest of those churches that I just told you about. So there's two things that you need to know about that then. If you meet, it's not just American missionaries. If you meet any missionary, you need to check them out with the scripture. Do they line up with the word of God? If they don't, they're not of God. It doesn't matter where they're from. Any missionary. But most missionaries coming out of America today are preaching false gospels. And they have another spirit. Some of them have the true gospel and the true spirit. You say, well, how do I tell the difference? Jesus said, ye shall know them by their fruits. You'll know them by the fruit. You'll know them by the fruit of the Spirit, the power of God, and whether or not it lines up with the Bible. That's the only way. This is a little different message. I'm asking you to pray. I'm asking you to pray for us. The um, You don't owe us anything, but I do want you to remember around the world that God has used the churches in America in a mighty way in the past. And that through the influence of the Bible on America, God has used this nation to send the gospel to many places in the world. And if for no other reason than for the advancement of the gospel, maybe you hate Americans out there, if for no other reason than the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ and glory to the Son of God, Jesus Christ, I ask you, I beseech you, I plead to you, please pray for America. Pray for repentance. Pray for revival. Pray for the churches of America to get right with God. Pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God on the remnant that is left, on the true believing Christians. Pray that God will call the doctrinally straight churches back to Him that have left His power and they're operating in the energy and the strength of the flesh. Pray that God will do a work in America. The text again, brethren, pray for us. Have you got it memorized? Brethren, pray for us. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would use this appeal and that you would stir churches around the world, your church, your people, Lord, from Korea, Lord God, to Australia, to Russia, Lord God, to South Africa, the United Kingdom, Scandinavia, Greenland, Canada, South America, and all the countries down there, Mexico and Brazil. Father, um, all the countries of the world, New Zealand, there's so many of them, Lord, hundreds. Lord, even Middle Eastern countries, Lord, where there's Christians, Lord, wherever this gospel is preached, Father, and wherever this message can go, I pray that you would stir their hearts 
to pray for a revival of true religion in the United States of America. And those, Lord, that have been blessed by this ministry, I pray that you would give them a particular burden to remember this little ministry and this little preacher in prayer, that God might use this little preacher and those that labor with him, Father, and that our work would not be in vain. Help us, Lord, to be a light for you and to stand for you and to love not our lives even unto death. In Jesus' name and for Christ's sake, amen.